everyone, this is Pastor James with another episode of The Essentials for You. On this podcast for Mondays, more often than not, I'll be bringing you the reflection used in worship on the previous Sunday. It's an opportunity to give you a glimpse into our Moravian theology and belief to respond to current events and just give you an idea of what our church and faith life is like. So I'll be bringing you those sermons on Monday and then having various episodes throughout the week. Yesterday in worship, our gospel lesson was from John 14, verses 1 through 14. So I'll read the gospel passage for you and then offer the reflection. So we begin with the gospel of John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And you still do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Now there are some weeks when I read the assigned scripture passage and really struggle to find something that stands out to focus for a message on. This, however, is not one of those weeks. This passage gave me a challenge to pick which parts of it to spend time on, because if I tried to cover everything, we would be here until next week. There is just so much going on, so much quality material from Jesus that still speaks to us today. Now first, it's worth pointing out that the 14th chapter of John takes us back to Monday Thursday, the days before Easter. These are Jesus' last moments with his disciples before his death. He's preparing them for life without him. That's why it begins with this reassurance to not let their hearts be troubled. Because right now they have a lot to be worried about. Then there's this idea of the dwelling places that Jesus is preparing 
for them and for us in his father's house. And these are the words written in the funeral liturgies in the UCC and the Methodist Church. The words of comfort in the form of this promise that we will be with Jesus again along with our loved ones. Then as Thomas wonders where Jesus is going and wants to know how the disciples can get there, Jesus says those famous words that we've probably heard before. I am the way, the truth, the life. It's those words that inspired the very early Christian community to call themselves not Christians, but followers of the way. And when Jesus says that no one gets to the Father except through him, that message has been interpreted to make this Christian life an exclusive one. It's been used to say that Jesus is the only way, meaning all other religions are wrong, which I don't think was his original intention. But all of that I just mentioned is ripe for a Sunday morning sermon. And we've only scratched just the first seven verses. What I want to do today is explore a little bit of the language behind it all. Because sometimes I think we assume that the Bible was written in English and it's very straightforward to us. When in reality, we read scripture after layers and layers of translation. And we need to consider what these words would have sounded like to the original audience. But personally, I don't have much experience with a language barrier in my life. Everyone around me has just about always spoken English. Even in high school, when we took a trip to France and Italy, we went to cities that were big enough that we didn't have to speak French or Italian to get by. In college, I actually minored in Spanish, but I've probably used that Spanish less than 10 times in the almost decade since I graduated. So I don't know what it's like to try and converse with someone when we don't really understand each other. The closest experience I would have would be when I moved to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania from Wisconsin for three years of seminary. And I had never realized that us Midwesterners have a very unique way of speaking until I was the only person from Wisconsin in a group that primarily came from the East Coast. And I found that we had a bigger language barrier than you might think. So there were some obvious ones, like how no one knew what I was talking about when I said the word bubbler, even though I think that's a much more fun way of saying drinking fountain, and my fellow Wisconsinites would agree. I got ridiculed every time we went to breakfast at our favorite place called Johnny's Bagels, because we say bagel when apparently it's supposed to be bagel. I even learned that if you're visiting college and you're taking a walk around campus, you're not on a tour which is what we say, you're actually taking a tour. There was all of this attention on me for the way I pronounced words, and all I had on my classmates and my friends was their use of the word y'all. That was a phrase 
I had only really heard in movies, on TV, or in country music. I definitely didn't expect to hear it in Pennsylvania. But we had just enough students and professors from the South that it was used frequently at school. And even around town, y'all, was something that was pretty common to hear. So initially I poked fun in it because... It sounded like everyone was trying to be a cowboy in my ears. But eventually I was laughing at myself because it spread to me, and I started saying it. My family was quite shocked when I came home for a holiday and very seriously asked, So what are y'all doing tonight? I share that long journey of language with you today to say that Jesus might have actually had some southern country boy in him as well. And to point out that translating scripture through languages and through centuries can steer us away from the original message, even if it's in small or seemingly unimportant ways. That very first first verse of chapter 14, which says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. It's a verse that's very comforting. It hits home for us. It sounds like something we think Jesus would say, and it's close. But the original Greek of the New Testament has the your of the sentence being plural, because Jesus is indeed speaking to his group of disciples. What's interesting then is, that the heart, the use of the word heart, is singular. As if this group of disciples shares one heart. The translation could read, Do not let y'all's heart be troubled. And just hearing that makes me picture Jesus with a cowboy hat on, getting ready to give a parable about a tractor. So maybe that tweak in the translation doesn't rock our world. Maybe it doesn't totally change the meaning of this passage. But it gives us something different to think about. This group of disciples, during this time of great anxiety and despair, trying to comprehend the upcoming loss of their leader and teacher, Jesus says they share one heart. They will face these challenges and these uncertainties as a community. They will be together, and they'll be so very close that they could share one heart. They'll feel everything together. They will not journey alone. And I think that singular heart is something that the Christian church has almost completely left behind. Because we are all so certain that our own denomination, our own faith, is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're quick to assume that everyone else, even other Christians, they're on the wrong path. We get divided on so many issues, and the voice of Jesus easily gets lost in the discussion. 
how Jesus, how Jesus treats people, how he seeks out the most vulnerable, how he stands with the oppressed and the outcast, how he gives a voice to people who have been silenced or abused. When you think about it, it's pretty simple to see who Jesus would be fighting for in our world today. But actually doing his work and serving the people with the greatest need, that's been labeled as having a political agenda. It's extreme and it's radical. And churches would rather talk about Jesus in their sanctuaries without actually helping the people that he spent his life helping. When he says that he is the truth, in those words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. When he says truth in Greek, it means that he is the realized dream of God. That he is the closest image we could imagine to what God looks like. That's the path given to the church to follow. And his ministry, it was provocative because it unsettled people with authority and power. But his ministry wasn't complicated. It embraced and loved all people, especially the ones who were rejected. And following his path, seeking life through Jesus means the church needs to find that one heart. The heart of service. To see another's need, to see their pain and struggle, and be compelled to act, welcoming any challenges that doing so will bring our way. It means living with the heart of Jesus, who is the way, as our community. To know that our work isn't finished until all people all the people Jesus would seek to heal and love until all have been lifted up. So that's the message I have for you to start your week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to subscribe or like the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated as well. That's all for the essentials for today. We will catch you next time.